You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Coming to you live, Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. And CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is brought to you by Geico. Great news. Quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Coming up later on this hour, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk a little fantasy football. Andy Holloway uh, is going to join Andrew and myself, co-host and co-founder of the Fantasy Football Podcast. So he will join us, and um, we'll talk a little fantasy football as you get you set for uh, as we inch uh, closer and closer uh, by every single day to the start of the NFL regular season. But we kick off the third and final hour, as is the custom. Here we go, the three. It is now time for the three. We get you caught up on the three biggest headlines of the day with Taz and the Moose. Number one. O's Davis clashes with manager Hyde in the dugout. Yeah, so if you missed it, uh, Chris Davis, who's having a disastrous year, right? Two years in a row, right? Two years in a row, right? Got to remember, the Baltimore Orioles are locked in. How many more years they have left on that deal? Three more years? Uh, that sounds about right. Seven-year, $161 million deal. At the time when they signed him, he was a 40-plus home run, 120-plus RBI guy. We've seen a, a distinct drop-off um, in his per- production and performance. It's not about the average, and he's hitting well under 200 this year. Um, uh, so he's hitting under 200. I think he's got nine home runs on the season. Remember, he had that tremendous streak to start the year where he was over. I mean, it, it has been a disastrous year. So, uh, Brandon Hyde, the manager of the Baltimore Orioles, if you're not keeping track at home, uh, and they're a disastrous I was franchise. Say that. I'm always reminded that he exists. Right. So because I can't remember that he's in charge of the Orioles. Right. The uncomfortable position of managing Baltimore. Um, and uh, he pinch hits for Chris Davis, and obviously then they get into it. Uh, in the dugout last night as they're getting steamrolled by the Yankees, who hit you know, 16 home runs in three days. They hit five home runs last night once again. Uh, here is Hyde after the game about the altercation. We had words, and I took, it, I took him out of the game. So me and Chris have a good relationship, and these things happen in competitive environments, and it will pass, and we'll get, we'll get through it. But it was just unfortunate it happened uh, in the dugout. Yeah, and, and that's the right thing. You're gonna, if you're the manager, you're going to take the high road. Uh, you know, he was uh, Davis was held out, held back by Mark Trumbo and the hitting coach Long uh, for uh, down in Baltimore in the dugout. Uh, just been a disastrous year for the Orioles. It's been a disastrous couple years here for Chris Davis and that contract. I was telling a buddy of mine last night, uh, Anthony McCarron, over at SNY uh, and watching that Yankee game. That contract might actually be the worst contract in, in Major League Baseball. It really, it might. I mean, Jacoby Ellsbury's contract with the Yankees, who's basically in the witness protection program <laughs> and still getting paid by the Yankees. That they, I think those two guys. But that's almost I, over, right? That, almost, yeah. not quite, but almost. They're neck and neck. I mean, they are they are neck and neck in terms of the two worst contracts in Major League Baseball. And 152, 132, they haven't come. Not that anybody ever actually fully earns what he gets well, I think in terms got, of like dollar. I think for, Davis got a buck 61. Buck 61, okay. 
he hasn't even come remotely close. He hasn't oh. got given them $161 of production it's been since signing that thing. Just terrible. I mean, he's almost unplayable. He really that's is. how bad he is. Well, that's it. You're almost to the point where you're hoping for an injury to where you can get some insurance money back. I mean, that's. I'm not talking about a significant life-changing injury, but that, right. I mean, there are teams that. Or how about know, him hitting the manager so you can send him home for like? Well, right. Yeah, suspe- Pick a I mean, fight with him. He is brutal. Yeah. I mean, Chris Davis is brutal, and I'm sure for him, you know, he's got to be going through a difficult time. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, I, because it's got to be. He's getting booed. It's got to be embarrassing. There's no one showing up to the ballpark. He can't do and play at a level that he once dominated. Was like one of the great power hitters in the American League for the Baltimore Orioles. He's in a hitter-friendly bandbox of a ballpark, and he can't hit the ball over the fence. And he can't make contact. He's been atrocious. Yeah, but it was still odd. It's embarrassing. So the video we have of this last night, it starts kind of mid altercation. It's already Correct. the the situation is already kind of heated up, right? Correct. Davis is separate. He's like in the left side of the shot. Hyde's not in the shot initially. Then he walks over to Davis with guys in between them. He says something, and then he darts down the dugout tunnel, like towards the clubhouse, as Davis then comes towards him and gets stopped by Trumbo and the hitting coach, like you mentioned. It's almost like either he was running away after he said something, like in a weird, like, punkish move, or it was like, let's go downstairs and talk and and finish this. And then Davis stop and gets stopped from going yeah. down and following him in the tunnel. I mean, it's just however it started, whatever was behind it, it just looks awful. It looks awful uh, for an organization that is having just an awful year uh, yet again. And might arguably, I think they're right. I think they're the worst team in Major League Baseball. I mean, they are just a, a brutal watch. They really are. And I don't what's know. the future? Uh, you're right. I mean, the future is the catcher. They just drafted with the number one overall pick. Right, they have no pitching staff. They have no arms, really, for the, to speak of. And the players on a day-in, day-out basis just aren't good enough. No, I mean, there's not. Is there? Is there even one? Not you, because you've watched them now three straight nights closely. Is there one guy on that roster right now that you'd care about, like, seeing play every day? Um, no, probably not. Probably not. No, no, nothing of great. No, no. Because at least other fan bases have had a couple of guys to hang their hat on. Like, oh, he's coming. He's so they've got Adley Rutschman. That's the guy that they, the catcher that they picked first overall. Um, but other, th- I mean, who's already a top ten prospect in the sport? Right, switch hitting catcher um, can do it all. A lot of Buster Posey. I feel like comparisons, comparisons coming right. out. So I mean, that and that's obviously a prime position. So you've got that guy. But, you know, the Padres, at least, while they were being terrible, were sitting on Fernando Tatis Jr. and, and I guess the only guy would probably be Jonathan Villar. Yeah, but I mean... The like, second base Right, but, but Jonathan Villar is, a, is is not a 22-year-old up-and-coming No, he's stud. not. No, no, I'm I, right. They, no, they, they, they don't have what the Astros built. No. No. I mean, you know, and the Astros hit rock bottom where their television rating was 0.0. Well, yeah, it wasn't even registering. Right, right. They were getting hashtags, as they would say in the TV trade. Nobody, literally nobody was watching Astro baseball, and that's pretty much where we've... The only reason why I'd go to Camden Yards right now if the Yankees weren't playing, and even with the Yankees playing, the games are unwatchable uh, because it's one home run after another. The only thing I'd go for is Boog's Barbecue, which is fantastic. <laughs> That's really it. Boog yeah. Powell's Barbecue down in Camden Yards uh, and walk around. The, it's a beautiful park to watch a game in. Camden Yards is still great, even though it's kind of the 
the older the older men when you're looking at all these you know kind of retro new stadiums right. that were built across Major League Baseball. It's still an unbelievable place. Great sight lines to watch a baseball game. The product is horrendous. It just is. All right, next number two. Dabo says QB Bryant wasn't on team. Won't get a ring. Oh, and and Dabo going back and forth a little bit. I mean, the the Bryant stuff, I can understand it. Now, he also pushed back on the idea as well, Andrew, that people excusing the Alabama performance in the championship game in which Clemson ran him out of the building and embarrassed Saban's defense and embarrassed that uh, that Alabama offense as well. And that was a tour-de-force performance by Clemson to the point where it changed the perception of Clemson across the na- national landscape to where then they became, they've now become the blue blood of blue bloods in, in college football. And Davo has every right to push back on the idea that Alabama was worn down by the SEC schedule. It's nonsense. I mean, that is nonsense. Nonsense. I, you got to stop it. I mean, Alabama got run out. They got their butt whooped. Take the beating, move on, learn from it, get better from it. Don't excuse it and all of a sudden talk about, I'm tired. And listen, I'll agree. SEC football is the best in the land. I cannot hear about the fact of having the amount of time that they had off from their last regular season game to to the start and, you you know, the semifinal and then the championship game to all of a sudden then tell me that Alabama was worn down and that led to that bad performance. That's nonsense. Nonsense. I went back again and make sure, because I'm, I'm a big proponent of what, what Dabo said in, in his defense in that the SEC is more, there's good teams in the SEC. There's no doubt about that. But I think we can get a little carried away about just how good they are. The second and third tiers, they're more top heavy than universally and, and, and historically historically deep. And I went back and looked at their results in a couple of the games that were close last year. And come on. I mean, they sm- they they smoked, smoked basically everybody in the SEC. They shut out LSU. Even a game against Mississippi State, which I think ended 24-0 or 27-0. Like, that game was close going into 24. halftime. And Mississippi State threw a, a t- an interception in the end zone, I believe, right before halftime, and then they just didn't have a pushback in the second half. So, like, the, the, there was no SEC gauntlet last year that Alabama survived. They walked through and they smacked most of those teams in the face. Then they had multiple weeks off between the SEC title game and their first semi. And if memory serves correct, they had more than a week in between the semi and the championship game. There's a lot of reasons why they lost that one. It was not general fatigue. Yeah, the semifinal was Saturday, December 9th, uh, 29th. The championship game was Monday, January 7th. So you had nine days in between right. the semifinals and the championship game. The SEC title game was on Saturday, December 1st. So you had four weeks off between the SEC championship game and the national semifinal. So spare me. I, I agree with you. And you ran through it. I mean... Louisville 51-14, Arkansas State 57-7, Ole Miss 62-7, Ole Miss 62-7, that's an SEC game. Texas A&M 45-23, Louisiana 56-14, Arkansas, look at listen to this score, 65-31, Missouri 39-10, Tennessee 58-21, LSU 29-zip, Mississippi State 24-0, the Citadel, of course, late in the year, right before uh, right before the holiday season, 50-17, Auburn 52-21. Then he had Georgia by a touchdown. Then they destroyed, They beat up on Oklahoma. I mean, they led that game by three, four touchdowns early. Won the game 45-34. And then got trounced uh, by the Clemson Tigers 
44 to 16. Don't tell me about being worn down. Don't tell me about the schedule. And here's the other thing, right? I mean, to the point in the regular season, we talked about the fact that Tua at times was playing, you know, a half of football in some of these games. Right. A half. That, that starting his Heisman candidacy was dented by right. the fact that he wasn't getting four quarters of stats. Right. He was he was taken off in the second half, and they were they were putting the backup in, who's now at Oklahoma. All right, next. Number three. Durant says Warriors not to blame for Achilles' injury. Yeah, and I, I think everyone wants to look at the medical staff in Golden State in a kind of a wide-ranging interview that Kevin Durant did with Yahoo that we touched upon a little bit earlier on in the show here, Andrew. Uh, people want to blame this, this staff on Golden State. He was medically cleared. They didn't think the Achilles was in jeopardy. They were obviously wrong. Durant's also got to make the decision that he's willing to play too. He felt healthy enough, and the worst possible scenario did play out. It wasn't just a re-aggravation of the calf strain. This was a complete tear of the Achilles tendon to where he might miss the upcoming entire upcoming season or is expected to miss the entire upcoming season uh, as now a member of the Brooklyn Nets. So you had that. He had the whole idea that he basically told you that he had no interest in going to the Knicks, that it was either the Nets. If he was going to leave Golden State, it was going to be the Nets. It was never going to be the Knicks. And how about these being the first time he has spoken since the injury, which includes him changing teams? Yeah, crazy. My, Mikey B pointed this out before the show. There's still there has not been a Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving joint or even separate Nets press conferences. Well, they're spread it out. To when? I, I don't know. To, before to, the season gets yes, here? That's what we're going to get? Right. We're going to get the, the one-on-one. You're going to get a training camp press conference from these two guys I, showing I, you up? You probably will. I mean, the, to the Nets, they had no idea they were in it until they were getting them. Remember the Nets told you that? Oh, I know. They spun that story. We had no idea. Meanwhile, yeah, the NBA is investigating tampering. Hitting refresh right. on Instagram. The NBA, Boom. Sean Marks is like, wait a second. We were just told via social media that Kevin Durant's signing here. I don't think we have the cap space. <laughs> Are we prepared just in case he picks us? Guys? Imagine being so good to just hop on social media and make the declaration you're going somewhere without them without them telling us that they had no idea he was coming. Imagine just being like, listen, I'm going to sign with the Rangers. The Rangers are <laughs> like, what? Uh-huh. What? You're coming here? No, we're Wait. good. We got Joe Harris. Harris <laughs> 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 Right. Yeah. Imagine being oh, my God. Right. I'm, I'm going to go. Right. I'm like, Get the marketing department. He's right. coming. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Really regret lowering Vince, season ticket right. prices. You're Vince Carter. You're like, I'm going to play my last year with the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors <laughs> are like, what? <laughs> we don't We don't need you. Us Warriors. Right. Carmelo wish it was that easy. <laughs> Carmelo's like, why can't I have that kind of pull? Yeah. I've been a scoring champ. You understand what I've done? I'm going to be a Hall of Famer. I Listen need my, my swan song here. Because don't forget, as Durant laid out in this in this article, that he didn't once think about where he oh, was going when he had when he was this pending decision, multi years, hundreds of millions of dollars, one of the biggest decisions he's going to make in his life, and he didn't let it cross his mind at all. Until June 30th, then woke up and then said, I'm going to be a net. Right. Four times this morning, I thought about when I should exactly eat my yogurt today. And I still don't know when I'm going to have my breakfast. And Kevin Durant didn't give it one thought till he woke up on the morning of free agency about where he was going <laughs> to sign. I mean, come on. Yeah, and make over $100 million. If I was doing that interview, I'd be like, you serious? Is that true? That can't possibly be true. You mean to tell me you didn't think about it? It didn't cross your mind once? No, man. I got other things to think about. Like what? 
Like, what are you? <laughs> you were about to assure the financial safety of the of your fourth family generation. Right, exactly. And you never thought about that? Yeah, right. Exactly right. So there you have it. Those are the three storylines you need to know. Uh, the Durant interview on Yahoo. Check it out. Uh, it's a pretty interesting piece. We ran through some of the highlights of that. Uh, Chris Davis getting into it with his manager uh, down in Baltimore. That's headline number one. And Dabo Sweeney pushing back on Alabama. Uh, and the fact that they were worn down and the quarterback that quit the team. And I think, Andrew, we didn't hit upon it, but I also think if you quit the team, you, you should not expect a championship ring. Yeah, I mean, I don't even, I, I don't know why I didn't, I missed this. I still don't know where this question came from and why it was asked of, of Dabo yesterday. I didn't see the question right. Um, I think it was asked by one of Brian's family members. So, I mean, I, Where's yeah. my championship ring? Had Kelly Bryant been there for just the first four games, but through offseason and through, you know, practice right now in August and getting guys ready for the season yeah, he would deserve a ring, but the way things ended, so ugly, you know, basically demoted, and then he packs up and leaves, said he got slapped in the face by the decision. Maybe they did him dirty by making the decision in the season so that he had no place to go for last year, that he had to go for it, you know, for this year. So there's just too many hard feelings to expect any kind of recognition through a ring for that championship. There you have it. Those are your three big storylines here on this Thursday morning. Mark Belusis, Andrew Bogus. You know where you're at. It's Taz and the Moose here. CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. That's right. On a Thursday morning, we're going to chat with Andy Holloway here momentarily, uh, co-founder and co-host of the Fantasy Football Podcast. Start to get you set for all your fantasy football drafts that's coming your way here momentarily. Bogus has been sitting in with me for the vacationing Taz all morning long. He's had updates as well. What's going on, Andrew? Moose, this update is sponsored by Bleecker Street and their upcoming film, Brian Banks, based on his untold true story, Brian Banks in theaters tomorrow. It is borderline criminal what the Yankees have done to the Orioles this season. And the pitch cracked a deep left field toward that wall. It is gone. Another home run. A line drive just got over the low wall down the left field line. Higashioka, the home run Staroka. And getting Higgy with it. Oh my goodness, John Sterling on Yankees Radio. Higash, Kyle Higashioka and Gio Urshela, two homer games. Higashioka. Yeah, five total long balls in the 14-2 route. The Bombers took all 10 games this season at Camden Yards, have won 15 straight there overall. They extend their single-season record for homers by a road team at a particular stadium to 43. They're 52 dingers overall this year against the O's, now also a single-season MLB record. Orioles former slugger Chris Davis and manager Brandon Hyde almost fought in the dugout in the fifth inning. Davis didn't like something Hyde said to him. Multiple teammates had to hold Davis back. The Red Sox and Royals couldn't finish last night at Fenway 4-4 in the 10th when rain started. The game postponed until Thursday the 22nd. The Phillies losing in Arizona 6-1. The Brewers won in Pittsburgh 8-3, so they are in a virtual tie for the second NL wildcard. Milwaukee All-Star Christian Yelich set out for the second day in a row with back soreness. 11 games tonight truly kick off the NFL preseason. Kyler Murray's first action in Cardinal Red, that's against the Chargers. The Jaguars haven't said yet if Nick Foles plays against the Ravens. 
And the Raiders apparently don't know when Antonio Brown returns from the extreme frostbite on his feet. The cryotherapy machine that hurt A.B. is apparently in France. Oh, Tiger Woods is on the course at the Northern Trust in Jersey. Tiger is plus one through three. This is the first event of the PGA Tour postseason. Tiger and others are playing without fans. They can't enter the course until 10 a.m. Eastern as crews finish cleanup and repairs after nasty storms blew through the area yesterday. Troy Merritt, by the way, has the lead. He's three under through four this morning. Moose. All right. Uh, Thank you, Andrew. Let's welcome aboard right now. Uh, Andy Holloway, co-host, co-founder of the Fantasy Footballers Podcast, joins us now as we get you set uh, for uh, your fantasy football drafts. Hey, Andy, Mark Malusis and Andrew Bogus with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning, bud. Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're doing well, Andy. How about yourself? All right? Doing good, doing good. Getting ready for this uh, NFL thing that's about to happen. Yeah, I know, <laughs> with preseason games tonight. Um, you know, Andy, let, let's start, you know, when, when you look at it. I, I guess, you know, what are your top storylines in reference to fantasy football, um, impactful storylines that you're keeping yeah. an eye on? Well, I mean, I think the big one at the the top of the list for fantasy owners is the Melvin Gordon Ezekiel Elliott situation, it's just a headache for people figuring out where to draft these guys. Whether they're, you know, going to be with the team, whether they're going to take some time off. You know, Gordon, it looks like it could last into the season. I'm worried more about him than Zeke. But in either case, fantasy owners are kind of hesitant to pull the trigger, you know, when you don't know for sure your number one pick is going to be on the field. And then what do you do with the guys around those two running backs, Prescott, Rivers, receivers on either side. How do those absences affect what you would do with the other skill position players on those two teams? Yeah, it's it's a question mark. I mean, I think for, for Dallas, it hurts the offense as a whole, obviously, without Ezekiel Elliott there. So, you know, you're, you're hoping to see Kellen Moore take over and this offense move the ball. And if you, you lose this, uh, you know, chain mover in Ezekiel Elliott, I don't think it helps anybody around him. Um, you know, Zeke was really involved in the passing game too, which helped Dak. On the other on the other side, you know, the only thing that might improve for Los Angeles would be Keenan Allen because we saw Keenan Allen in games that Gordon missed um, put up more prolific numbers. So, you know, if if we thought Gordon was certain to miss half the year, then maybe somebody moves Keenan Allen up just a little bit in their rankings. But it, it doesn't help either offense to lose a, a productive, you know. Uh, bell cow back well how would you i mean andy if if we're two weeks from now and their situations have not changed and you've got a fantasy draft how do you handle both players yeah um right now the way that i'm approaching zeke is i i'm still keeping him in the top tier of running backs but he's at the bottom of that that four pack which would be saquon barkley alvin Kamara, christian mccaffrey and ezekiel elliott so i'm i'm not taking him at the top of that list i I had him at two before the kind of question marks, but I still think he'll be, you know, I'm still confident he'll be there. Um, That's the sentiment we get, but there's just so many caveats with the contracts and with accruing years and the fines. I mean, I've read probably 15 articles where people just can't quite dig through the uh, legalese and figure out exactly what he has to do. With Gordon, with Gordon, I'm approaching it more like, uh, I don't know, Vincent Jackson a handful of years ago with the Chargers where, you know, he can play this off into four, five, six games into the season, maybe more. And uh, it seems like this team is not willing to bend right now. So I, I'm moving 
Melvin Gordon significantly down my board and not expecting to have him to start the year. Andy, switching off these two running backs to an, another one, what did you make of Ron Rivera's uh, assessment of how they're going to use Christian McCaffrey this year? I guess get him the ball more, but have him on the field for less snaps? What I, I don't know what it means necessarily, but, <laughs> but particularly for fantasy, does it change anything about where you'd take McCaffrey? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. We just have such ev- so much evidence of Norv Turner and the way he uses his running backs. And, like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, yes, the numbers uh, usage-wise were kind of insane. The dude barely missed a snap last year. But when push comes to shove, you're trying to win football games. And he's proved himself to be durable. He's proved himself to be productive. I can't imagine they take him off the field very often. It- it's one thing to have the intention to do that. It's another thing to – be in a tight ball game and uh, take the you know one of your best players off the field. So I don't. Uh, I'm not adjusting him. He's still in that first four players. Um, when when you look at it, Andy, the wide receiver position. You know, give us. You know, is there a guy that that you think this year could surprise, and or or is there a guy that you think could disappoint? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think Curtis Samuel is a very interesting name, wide receiver out of Ron Rivera's uh, Carolina Panthers. I'll bring him to mind because I don't know how many people are really paying attention to him. But Cam Newton, uh, he's through the surgery. If he, you know, and he, he's been through this surgery before. He came back and had a, a great fantasy year. And if you look at Curtis Samuel, he's just an explosive wide receiver. Year three, five touchdowns last year, and kind of flies under the radar. A lot of people pay attention to DJ Moore there, but I think both of those guys are values in fantasy drafts that. One of the things you got to look at as a as a fantasy football player is the value you get on somebody, and obviously, you know somebody like Curtis Samuel is going in the late late rounds, double digit rounds, and you can snatch him up and maybe maybe get a really productive whiteout. Andy, I think this is obviously a question every single summer. How do we handle quarterbacks overall? What's your strategy for the first round that it makes sense to take a QB, and then is Mahomes the the clear-cut number one guy you have to take when it's time to take a QB? Yeah, not not really. I mean, um, we, we talk about this a lot on the fantasy footballers. We are we, we prescribe to late-round quarterback theory, which is just there are so many productive quarterbacks, and fantasy owners, owners only need to start one of them each and every week. you got to start two running backs. you got to start two wide receivers. I think over the last three years, on average, there's been about – 40 quarterbacks a season that put up a a top 12 fantasy finish on any given week. So you can go to the later rounds and pick up a player like Cam Newton's being drafted in the eighth or ninth round of fantasy drafts. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, who's my favorite wide receiver, or I'm sorry, my favorite quarterback heading into the new year, is being drafted in the eighth round of fantasy drafts. If you take Pat Mahomes at the top of your draft, he has to throw 50 touchdowns again, and that's only happened three times in history. So you are mitigating risk, giving yourself an opportunity to take positions that you have to play more of on a weekly basis if you wait to a late-round quarterback, and and that's kind of what we tell people to do because you're just going to have a stronger team overall. All right, so late-round quarterback, Andy, but for those that want to be successful, right, and we're talking to Andy Holloway, uh, co-host, co-founder of the Fantasy Footballers uh, podcast, uh, you know, for those guys and gals, maybe you're just getting into fantasy football or maybe you've had a bad run and you haven't had a lot of success. 
give me some steadfast, like some rules when you go into a draft. And obviously, your pre-draft rankings play importance, and who you like, who's going to have an uptick, a downtick, what have you. Rookies, I, I, we get all that, but our positional rules are there steadfast rules, Andy? That when you go into a draft, uh, that you like to stick to. Not, I mean, the answer is kind of yes and no. I mean, I think one of the problems that that people run into sometimes is they go into drafts and they say, I'm going to take a running back, a wide receiver, a running back, a quarterback, and they they kind of prescribe for themselves this exact plan and they're not fluid and they're not ready to adjust when the, the owners around them make changes. The big thing that I would say is you're looking to find value in your draft. You're looking to, you know, don't, you know, if you're a brand new player, don't reach on guys from your hometown team. We see that all the time in like brand new leagues. Um, you know, don't draft a guy way ahead of where, you know, look up an average draft position list, which you can find all over the place, and make sure you're not taking a guy two or three rounds too early. Um, and, and just realize another thing that people don't realize is just you need depth on your team. Players get hurt so, so much. So that's one of the reasons I like drafting quarterbacks late is simply the fact that if you stack up and pile up wide receivers and running backs, you know, you don't win your league at the draft. You set the table for your league, and you have to make adjustments week to week. And so pay attention to the waiver wire. Pay attention to what's happening. Um, you know, that's the reason we do a, a daily podcast. It's the reason people talk about fantasy all the time is things change each and every week. So if you, if you pay a little bit of attention, you don't have to go overboard. You don't have to commit your life to it. But just pay a little bit more attention to it. Stay on Twitter, things like that. And, uh, you know, you're going to be setting yourself up to, to beat the other players in your league. All right. Well, you, you mentioned you want to wait till late for, for a quarterback. Is there a specific round, Andy, that you like to when, when quarterbacks start to come into your focus? Yeah, I, I think probably from the eighth round and on. I okay. Mean, you wait that late. Yeah, I do. I mean, Carson Wentz goes in the eighth round right now. Drew Brees, Tyler Murray, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson going in the ninth round right now. So I, I try to hang on and – you know, the nice thing is, is if other people are spending the early picks on quarterbacks, I get more wide receivers and running backs, and they don't need one later. So, you know, I tend to wait. Andy, I often get myself in trouble by being too smart and overthinking things and taking too many gambles. <laughs> do you, do you, is there any kind of formula? you Like if, if I'm picking somebody, you mentioned Curtis Samuel already, right? Now I might sure. – I would probably be more prone to taking him a little earlier than I should because I I think I'm being cute. I'm going to benefit from this huge breakout year, and I pass over a guy who might not have the same ceiling, but is more guaranteed to give me you know consistent production. Should I only have like one or two quote unquote sleepers? Is there any kind of theory on on that front? Yeah, no. I mean, really, that comes down to your play style. You know, it's like how aggressive do you want to be and how much. Uh do you want to be biting your nails on a weekly basis? If you spend early draft picks on players that are more injury prone, right? Like I loved Alvin cook this year, but I recognize the fact that he's not been able to stay healthy and play through a full season. So I probably don't want to stack Dalvin cook with a couple of guys that are more risky or that are, you know, more in that breakout category, but it's all about team assembly. You know, do you want a team that, uh, that has a really, really high ceiling, but also has a really low floor uh, everybody likes to play a little bit differently. I like to balance those things, like you said, and um, realize the fact that the last couple picks in your draft, here's a here's a little tip for people out there. The last couple picks in your draft are probably the players that you're going to want to drop on the waiver wire in week one or two. So make sure you pick guys that you're going to be able to see if they're good in weeks one or two. Don't draft a guy 
that you're not going to see on the field until weeks five or six because you're probably just going to drop them before then. What are you looking at when you're watching preseason football, Andy? Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could watch more, but um, you only get to see these guys on the field for a little while. One thing I'll say is, you know, just pay attention to the some of these tight ends. Um, it seems like year after year you see a, some tight ends break out with playing time in the preseason. I can remember people didn't know Julius Thomas's name until the preseason. All of a sudden, wow, Peyton Manning's throwing him the ball. Oh, there he throws him the ball again. You know, I want to see what guys like Mark Andrews look like in the first-team offense. Um, David Njoku. It, I, it seems like those are players that I've been able to see over the past few years, and then I'm also watching for rookie running backs and those running back depth charts. Does Josh Jacobs look great on the field? Miles Sanders, David Montgomery out of Chicago. What do the rookies look like? Are they establishing themselves? Can they you know, block a pass rush? That type of thing. Uh, we're talking to Andy Holloway, uh, co-host and co-founder of the Fantasy Footballers podcast. All right. Andy, uh, Andrew asked you about sleepers, right? So give us a give us a name or two. I know we have yet to get into the the full flight of preseason football. You got eleven games tonight, but there are a couple of rookies that you think at the end of this season could be fantasy studs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I am a huge Miles Sanders believer, and there are because of the value that he represents in drafts right now, people. Um, they're really hesitant because of how many running backs are on the depth chart in Philadelphia. They brought in Jordan Howard and they re-signed Darren Sproles. But I think, uh, and Doug Peterson traditionally uses a multi-running back kind of system, but when it comes down to it, Peterson's never had anybody quite like Miles Sanders. He's a dual threat, um, an athletic freak. He followed Saquon at Penn State. And I think he's just being really undervalued right now. I think he's one of the guys him along with uh, David Montgomery in Chicago that I think both will have huge impacts when it comes to um, winning fantasy uh, leagues this year. Because if you take quarterbacks early and you can snag a couple rookies later, I'm really, really excited about them. Um, So those would be a couple names that I'd bring forward. Devin Singletary in Buffalo could take over halfway through the year. Um, That would be another name. I'm not as excited about the rookie wide receivers right now. Um, because I don't know if their pathway to, to passing volume is there. You know, Metcalf in Seattle, they don't pass a lot. Marquise Brown in Baltimore, they don't pass a lot. So I'm kind of holding back. Uh, we'll see what happens in the preseason with those guys. Andy, I've been playing fantasy football for a really, really long time, and somehow I have never been in an auction draft until <laughs> this September. Uh, can you give me a 90-second crash course and how I don't mess this up? <laughs> Uh, well, prepare yourself for the long haul, first of all. It'll be a long draft for you. Um, you're not the commissioner of it, are you? I am not, thank goodness. Okay, then thank goodness for that, because that can get a little hairy. But I would say uh, one thing people don't remember, or maybe they get really excited in an auction draft, is they always, um, you know, you, you generally rotate which players you want to put up for auction. I would not put up the players you want. I would say that if you're in an auction draft, let other people kind of put forth the guys that you're in love with. Don't put them out there right away. People can get a little spindy early on, and if you're just proposing all the players that you want, you could drive the price up on them. So, um, And then I would just, again, I'd apply the late-round quarterback theory and buy some quarterbacks on the cheap so you can spend up for players that you, uh, you're excited about, um, get a couple anchors for your team. They can be really fun. I mean, it's the one draft where – uh, you get the player you want if you're willing to spend. You know, you're not in a position where you're hoping that players fall to you or it's dependent on your draft order. So 
um, I'm sure you'll have a good time. Just block out about, you know, a whole afternoon. Yeah, I'm sure uh, I'm not going to have fun. Well, it's well, it's not going to go well for me. You know, have a couple, have a couple of drinks, some good food in go. the afternoon. $75. That's exactly right. And uh, then just, you know, spend money. That's it. Uh, Andy, um, I asked you about surprises. What about disappointments? Are there, are there situations besides Dallas and LA and their, and their running back scenario? But um, are, are yeah. there situations and players that you're staying away from? Is there a name or two in terms of, you know, guys that have had great careers, great years that now you're kind of leery of that you would you'd stay away from if you could? Sure, sure. I think uh, at the top of that list is, you know, there's a fear, there's a risk associated with Todd Gurley right now because he's dominated fantasy leagues for three years. He's the big name that people just don't know what to do with because on any given week right now, he could have his knee swell up, and when do you get him back? So he's somebody that, you know, we're tempering our expectations for. Another player that it, it pains me to bring up as a potential kind of letdown candidate would be Philip Lindsay. He burst onto the scene in Denver last year. He was uh, incredible, but, you know, you had Royce Freeman, a high draft capital running back that was pretty banged up throughout the year, and I just think, you know, unless you expect the Broncos offense to be in the top half of the league, I'm not sure if Philip Lindsay gets the same level of opportunity that he had last year. And he's a great player, but I think it's going to be kind of a thunder and lightning thing with Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay. And then I'm, I'm kind of just staying away from the Washington offense in all regards. We don't know who's going to be quarterback. We don't know who's going to be quarterback on a weekly basis. Um, you know, I, I love what Darius guys did in college, but right now it's, you know, you're coming off an injury. Adrian Peterson had a thousand yards and was re-signed. Chris Thompson's there. It just kind of seems like there's not going to be very much upside in Washington, even if you pick the right guy, um, with the quarterback situation. So, uh, those are some, some players to avoid. Um, I'll be interested to see what Baker can do in year two, because people are paying up for him in drafts and, I like Baker a lot and his weapons, but you know he's you're going to have to draft Baker Mayfield uh, much higher than you will those other quarterbacks. So I'm probably staying away from him too. Andy Holloway, uh, co-founder and co-host of the Fantasy Footballers podcast, check it out, download it, listen to it. Great information, does a fantastic job wherever you get your podcast. Hey, Andy, we appreciate the time this morning. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday and uh, and good luck when draft time rolls around. All right, bud. Same to you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. Uh, give me a little bit of a feel in terms of fantasy football. Some surprises, guys that he would stay away from, how to approach it. That auction draft, that's going to be fun. You have a no, good group. I, I, if, I disagree wholeheartedly. If you have a good group, you have good food, you have a couple beers or whatever. If you don't drink, have a water and a soda. That's a good day. So here's, so here's the first problem from a scheduling point of view. Okay, it's, a, it's like a late afternoon, evening thing. And our, we did a regular draft last year. And I was up until like midnight and came right back here the next morning. So I was in a, in a bad way. The auction draft is the same kind of th- thing. And I'm assuming it'll take even longer. So I'm just, uh, that's, a, that's a problem. Well, you need to, you need to take the next day off. But though. I just, I can't. I, Use I a vacation day. No, no, no. For no. your draft. Could you imagine? Um, I, but I, I, I can't do this. <laughs> There's no oh, way. Oh, you could do it. You're I am fun. not smart enough to, to put oh, guys stop. up that I don't You're want. You're a Fordham guy. You're that doesn't mean f- anything. I don't, I don't, my brain doesn't individual. work fast enough. I'm going to have the worst team ever. Well, at least you're looking forward to it. 855-212-4CBS, your number to call. The undercard comes your way next. What didn't we hit upon this morning? Well, you'll hear it next from the tones of Mike Bisegui.
It's Taz and the Moose, CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. There you go. On a Thursday morning. Tomorrow morning, we'll be back with you. 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time right here on CBS Sports Radio. Andrew and myself will break down all 11 games on the preseason slate. Right? Be locked into everything. Game by game, segment by segment. That's exactly right. For all three hours as we take you through a Friday. Now, we'll mix into some other things as well. Uh, As we wrap up this Thursday morning program, let's get to it. Here's the undercard. Taz and the Moose present The Undercard. The stories from today's rundown that we haven't talked about on the show. All right, Michael, what do we got, buddy? So news came yesterday. The third season of FX's American Crime Story will chronicle the impeachment of former President Bill Clinton. Mm. We still don't have an actor yet. Who do you think should play Bill? That's a great one. Daryl Hammond. Will Ferrell. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I don't think they're going to go for the comedic angle. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to go for the comedic angle. Uh, Who would play a good Bill Clinton? Uh, That's a great question. And they've had good actors in that series, so it's not like the OJ one was fantastic, right? So, like, like you don't need to think like second or third tier. Like, they'll have like a they'll have a legit person. Now, what are the two they did? They did OJ. What was the first one they did? Uh, Did they do the Versace murder? Oh, was that it? think so. They did a series on the Versace murder. Was but that it wasn't the, that one? Well, I don't know if that was the crime story one, was it? Because my wife watched that. That that was fantastic. That was really well done. Um, I, I, and I watched a few episodes with her. That was really, really good. Um, but I don't know if that was indeed. It might, you might be right, Bogus. That might be it. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. That's yeah, a great Versace. Question. Was it Versace? I was right, yeah. There you go. Nailed it. Yeah. Ding, ding. There you go. Let's see. Thank you. Oh, well, that's you're being two kinds now. Quit crying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who's going to play Bill Clinton. I'm not sure. Kevin that's a Costner. Tough one. Neither one of us. Uh, Kevin Costner could do it. That's a nice job, Bilotti. Biseglia, you're a man of cinema. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hanks, he does everything great. Oh, Tom Hanks. <laughs> that might be too he big. He plays everything. Uh, there we go. He needs another role. Uh, From Mr. Nice. Rogers to Bill Clinton. <laughs> I know. All right. All right, next. I can't believe they just did that. Wow. Uh, Jalen Ramsey admitted that while he was in college, he would send his opponent's girlfriend's DMs and then tell his opponents on the field about it. Would this bother you if you were a wide receiver and Jalen Ramsey was trash talking that he DM'd your girlfriend? Yeah, no, and then I'd light his ass up. <laughs> <laughs> Moose I mean, really quick off the line. That's it. I mean, that's that's what it. That is. I mean, that is breaking bro code. <laughs> I think it's amazing. I mean, that is. If you're Jalen Ramsey, that's what you would do. I mean, he's trying to get back into the good graces, grabbing some headlines after his arrival in a Brinks truck failed miserably. Go get that money, money. I mean, that was a brutal, brutal scene. I mean, would that bother you, Bogus? I guess it would bother people. No. I mean, would you go? Would you believe him? I mean, would you think he actually did it, or you think that was just his like throwaway line again in your head? I don't. Well, 
Think about the time. Not only do you have to find out who your opponent is dating, but then find them on Twitter and Instagram. It's a commitment, Moose. That is. It's a a lot of time. That is a lot of time. Our thanks to Andy Holloway for joining us earlier on the program. Mike Pete across the way, the duo that is. A great job as well. Uh, Bogus, enjoyed it, buddy. Uh, Same here, Moose. Have a good Thursday. Till tomorrow, everybody. Peace. There's got to be a 10-second runoff here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.